0: Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the show. This is Missing the Point with Miles David, and I am your host, Miles David. Thank you for tuning back in. Like I always say, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Welcome into the family. And if you are a returning listener, then I appreciate you as always. Today, we are going to be talking and continuing our conversation about the U.S. Open North American summer hard court series that leads up until the last grand slam of the season which is crazy to think about this season in some ways has just flown by in other ways it's kind of crept along but for right now we're going to lead into the fact that it's been a crazy wild wind season and the US Open is just a couple of weeks away and before the US Open kicks off there is always a tournament north of the border in Canada in toronto slash montreal this year the men were competing in toronto the women were competing in montreal and just the more you know they alternate cities every year i've become aware that some people did not know that and it's okay if you didn't but now you can say that miles david taught you something In keeping with the theme of North of the Border, I actually brought on a host that is North of the Border in Toronto, Miss Pauline of the The Tennis Stats Twitter account has been so kind to lend me her her thoughts and wonderful conversation on today's episode. So we'll be talking about her experience actually attending the men's tournament in Toronto and the normal tennis conversation, colorful banter that you are accustomed to while tuning into missing the point so um without further ado i'm going to let that conversation play i hope that you guys enjoy it and i'll be back on the other side to wrap up the show and talk about what we might be getting into next week before i do leave though make sure that you're interacting with the podcast on all social media platforms at missing point pod we're on facebook twitter instagram and clubhouse i feel like i just missed something but Type in missing point pod somewhere in your browser history and the podcast, in the podcast community that we're building, should pop up. So enjoy the show, guys.
1: Oh, ho, ho. Another one
0: for the highlight reel. Welcome back, everybody. And I think it's really cool that. The podcast is doing some great things and growing and creating partnerships and collaborations and just tennis niche friendships Um, at this point all across the globe, because I have a guest on the show today from Toronto, and I'm speaking to Miss Pauline, none other than the Tennis Stats. And the Tennis Stats is actually a Twitter page that I've been interacting with briefly but greatly in the past couple of weeks when it comes to tennis and you actually were at the Toronto tournament that took place in Canada this week and there's a lot to talk about from that tournament so tell us a little bit about the Tennis That's Twitter page and like your background in Toronto because I'm interested because we've talked prior to recording and Prior to me flubbing up a lot of the things on this recording, <laughs> so,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've talked about we've talked about like uh, Toronto being a really cool place. So, just tell me about like your your backstory of tennis in Toronto and the tennis stats Twitter page.
2: Of course. Well, first off, I just wanted to thank you for having me on. Um, it's uh, it's an honor to to have met you virtually, and and I love things like this that come about out of I guess necessity due to the pandemic and, and all the foolishness that has gone on for the last year and a half. But a lot of it. some <laughs> yeah exactly so sometimes things like this can can uh, grow and that's always really special. So, um, yes, we did. We, we met over Twitter. And you were... I feel like all were...
0: good, good friendships and a lot of good sporting <laughs> friendships start on Twitter. People yes. have to give Twitter a chance. It's not all just a whole bunch of trolls and stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, Twitter, Twitter is great because I think I mentioned this to you briefly when we were speaking is that um, I had actually sort of cut off all social media Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, earlier this year, you know, it'll be a year in October and it's been really great to be completely honest with you. But when I made the decision to start the tennis stats, um, it was essentially something that was born out of the free time that resulted from the last year and a half of the pandemic and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, I just, I needed something constructive to occupy my time, occupy myself. And it's been amazing. It's allowed myself to immerse myself into a topic that I've loved dearly for many years now. And I love that I'm getting into the intricacies of all things tennis. And then in addition to that, I've also, I've you know started picking up my racket again recently Yay. so everything yeah <laughs> exactly yeah so everything's kind of coming together so in terms of sort of my connection to tennis if you want to hear a little brief yeah backstory. Let, us, let us
0: know because i feel like everybody has a very interesting connection to the sport and with you being a first-time guest on the show, for sure. I would love to know. I would love to have that conversation because I feel like mine is is also equally an interesting story. So what's yours?
2: Yeah, no, of course. It's very special to each person, right?
0: Right, it really is.
2: So uh, I was born and raised in Toronto. And you know that because I don't pronounce either of the T's in <laughs> Toronto.
1: How do you pronounce <laughs> That's it? how you
2: know. I'm am ai a... I'm a you just say toronto it's not and mm. sometimes if you're really you'll you'll hear toronto as if there's a ch instead of a t mm. at the beginning but you know eventually when you and i meet and we hang out you'll you'll learn you'll pick it up
0: <laughs> when i get back to toronto for the 2022 Women's Open, goal mm, might have to put yes. that into the, into the atmosphere because the tournament will be moving back to Toronto. Because that's the right, men, the men played in Toronto this year and the women played in Montreal, and the, you were in Toronto. Like, that's right. While, while the tournament was being played, and that's right. I definitely wanted you to come on the show to like tell the listeners, and I guess make the tournament feel more. Make it feel more alive, like because you were actually there. So, what were some of the matches that, like, are you're taking with you in your stock of Toronto 2021? Before we even talk about the finalists, what are some what are some matches that are like in your head as we speak?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest with you, I was just I was excited to be back because this was a tournament that was canceled last year, of course, due to the pandemic. And so this year, again, to be back, we knew it wasn't going to be at 100% capacity. Most of the grounds were closed off. Um, You know, you had to do a health check on your way in. So lots of things being implemented. But again, I'm pro all of these regulations (laughs) as long as 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 it, it, it means that the players are able to have some sort of an atmosphere and some sort of a crowd. And, you know, you could hear pretty much every player at the end of their, you know, during their post-match interview, they would say, we love you guys. Thank you so much for coming out. You guys were great and whatnot. So you could tell it really means a lot to them. Um, Now you asked about some of my maybe favorite matches. Mm -hmm. I personally, I think the one that really sticks out for me was Medvedev versus Bublik. That and was a great match.
0: <laughs> yeah, so
2: that that was one that we were really excited to see. Um, unfortunately, we only did see the first set and maybe two games of the second set because then we got rained out.
0: It did. And there were some sports of rain in Toronto this go-around, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the weather's a little unpredictable, but... It was, it was honestly amazing because Medvedev, I mean, as we now know, he is the champion at the tournament this year. Um, But even without that, I, I was so excited to see him. He's, he's an amazing, very electric, very entertaining player. So definitely excited to see that there. And especially knowing that the two of them are of Russian descent Bublik, of course, plays for Kazakhstan, but. There's a really large Russian population in Toronto, so hmm. I knew that the crowd was going to be very supportive and very. Huh.
0: I, didn't yeah. I did not know that. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't pick that up as I was watching Medvedev's matches, but I did mm-hmm. pick up that he is feeling like he's in his groove again, if that makes any sense. Like he is looking like he's back on hard courts. The natural court services thing is not like, I'm not terrible at it, but it's not like my home base. And he got back to Montreal where he's gotten to the final before and just kind of felt, I don't know, it felt like we were in his playground a little bit. Did it feel like that Mm -hmm. during that early round boobling match that we were in Nevada's playground, if that makes any sense?
2: Yeah, I know, of course. I mean, watching the match was, was very interesting because first off, and I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this because you've been to Indian Wells, mm-hmm. right? So seeing the players up close and personal just completely humanizes them. Like it's it's not just someone that you're watching on TV that's sort of a celebrity. You know, it, I, I really felt that during any of the matches that I watched. So again, I was there for three days, very grateful to have done that. Every single match I would cheer for both players. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, it's very because you, you were really
0: for good g- tennis, you know? Like be-
2: exactly. Because exactly. tennis was taken
0: tennis was taken away for a while and then I can only imagine how it feels to like get back and actually see it in action, even with some of the restrictions and some mm-hmm. of other things that you mentioned, it's it's still an uh, uh, an event that we can safely, if if precautions are done correctly, we can safely, mm-hmm. up, you know?
2: Oh, 100%. I, com- I completely
0: feel that. And then looking at the players as they practice, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I guess, mm-hmm. like, being around them, shanking a ball or just, I don't know, like, them not being through a television screen definitely makes the sport feel more alive. And as a fan experiencing that is like, you know, top two and not number two.
2: <laughs> no, of course. No, you're absolutely right. And and it's also, you really get to see, for example, I'm going to stray from say Medvedev, but I want to talk about Fonini. Mm. Now Fonini is a very... Special sort of player. He has this. <laughs>
1: Your oh, look, face right now face. says it all.
2: <laughs> um, but Fonini is very, he's very athletic and he's very confident. And there was actually a game that my friend and I were playing as we were watching. I said, "Let's try to name." what animal this player would be mm. if they were in the animal kingdom, you know, mm. and we tried to do that for each player and it's, it's harder than you might think. What did you come um, up with
0: for Fognini? And then we have to circle back to Medvedev and possibly yeah. <laughs> the finalist Opelka, because I'm interested to know what animals
2: these, oh, man. these young I men are. <laughs> oh man, that's actually, that's a good one. But um, Fognini, we kind of came up with either like a wolf or a lion Maybe even a snake, only because and uh, you don't really know, but you don't really see this on TV, or I feel like it doesn't come across. But that man walks around with such a swagger; it is very, so funny. He's very
0: broad-chested. Yes, he?
2: yes. Yeah. So I mean, even like maybe a rooster could, you know, like <laughs> saying that. I don't. I don't know that he would love. No, I don't <laughs> think he would like that. But um, that was a good one. <laughs> but no, but that's the thing is, is, you know, I, I definitely being at these tournaments, you know, there's some years where I wasn't able to go because of prior, um, either, you know, work or, or whatever prior engagements, but I really, really, really recommend that everyone go to at least one tennis match in your life, like live. It just, it really, like you said, it brings it to life. And, and that was really special to me.
0: I think everybody should. I I definitely think if a tennis tournament is within your grasp, check it out. Whether you are a, maybe into the sport, like a obvious like an obvious fan or maybe a curious fan, or you've been a <laughs> yeah. podcast you're like, hmm, Miles loves tennis so much. Let's see if there are tickets <laughs> to this event. Like, you know, just mm-hmm, check it out. Mm-hmm. You might you might you might be pleasantly surprised. Would, would, mm-hmm. speaking of pleasantly surprised do you think that Opelka would, would if you told Opelka that he would be a finalist in Toronto do you think that he would be pleasantly surprised if you told him that before the tournament started
2: <laughs> oh absolutely I mean he made it to the Rome semi-final right, this year earlier this season exactly and he, I remember saying, he was surprised. I don't, I don't even know if pleasantly surprised. He was just shocked. He said, <laughs> "I don't, I don't know how I was able to get this far." Because the one thing about Opelka that I've really noticed, especially this tournament, is he is so self-aware. Right? Mm. Like he was kind of, he was kind of trolling the media with saying, "Yeah, you guys are calling me a serve bot. I know <laughs> what that is." You know, he was kind of so. But I mean, you know what he does. He does his thing and he does it well. You know, you're gonna call him a serve but he's
0: served botting well, you know?
2: Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, as of right now, he's made it to a Masters one thousand final. Um, I think I think he's he's doing well. He's the number one ranked American, right? In terms of When the rankings come
0: out, I think he's gonna be the number one. I'm pretty sure he's gonna be the number one American, which is, you know, a honor in American men's tennis because Mm -hmm. there've been some great World number one ranked American tennis player, you know. So
1: mm-hmm. he's in he's mm-hmm. in good
0: company. And and watching him play this week, I was probably the most impressed I've ever been watching Riley Opelka play mm-hmm. tennis, actually. And mm-hmm. it started mm-hmm. it started from his first round match with Nick Curios. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but like I kind of put a bookmark there when I thought they were playing each other for the very first time. And I knew <laughs> it was gonna be like a I knew it was gonna be like a surf fest, but something happened in that match, the very first round match. And it threw Nick Kyrios off his game. I think Opelka was accused of, like, hitting the... Well, Kyrgios basically accused Opelka of touching the net in the middle of the point, which would result in the, the opposite opponent yes. getting the point. But the yes. referee disagreed, as did the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> the cameras did not show the net moving at all. <laughs> and I mean, like, the... <sighs> I feel like if a seven-foot guy, I think what? I think Opelka said he's, like, what, six, six 6'11". Yeah. 11. yeah. If, if, if if he is going to touch the net, I feel like we would all see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I'm... He, for, he. I think he silently took or, like, silently bit his tongue while Kyrios was, like, giving the umpire hell while also kind of digging into Opelka's, like, not intentionally, but saying that Opelka was doing something or did something that was against the rules, so, so to speak, and the way mm-hmm. he kind of just internalized that and went about his business and got, like, some, that win, of course, thrown over Kyrgios, and then several other, like, very notable wins to get him into the, the tournament of his life and, and the match of his life, you know? I just, mm-hmm. I, did not, mm-hmm. I did not see that coming from Riley Opelka. I, I'm not terribly upset at it, but I did not see it coming. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, uh, 100%. And it's funny that you actually bring up the whole umpire issue because the umpire was Aurelie Tours, that is from France. And she also then got an issue with Medvedev and Bublik. Oh, that
0: was the same umpire. Yes. Yes. Mm. What was her name again? So we can... Um, we we, or- we can make this to the better the better view of investigation <laughs> or something.
2: <laughs> I know poor Aurelie. Auralie Tour to France was just she got it all. And I, I don't know whether sometimes it is there's sort of like a gender disparity, cause sometimes you'll see I I love psychoanalyzing that as well, but we won't mm-hmm. get into that. But um yeah, she she did. She had the issue with Medvedev and calling hindrance and then Public didn't know what was going on. And, and, you know, so it's interesting because, again, thank God, there were automatic line calls at this tournament. So you really realize that there's a lot of time wasted when you have line judges there Mm. because... You have the player that's kind of thinking, "Am I?" You know, they'll look at the line, "Am I going to challenge? Do I challenge? Do I not? Do I?" Ch-? You know, and they mm. they're playing that mental game in their head. Then they go ahead and challenge. Then we wait for the child, the line call to be to be shown, right through the mm-hmm. camera. So there's there's a lot of back and forth. Whereas here, I totally the, the support the machine is
0: just rotating the system. Yeah, and it's, exactly. And it's yeah. Largely, largely getting it correct most of the time.
2: Exactly. I think they say there's about a three percent chance that it could be wrong, which of mm. course is frustrating. But what
0: what what in life is certain anyway? <laughs> there are a few things in life are 100 percent certain. So we. I mean, it,
2: death, we, death and taxes. I was but... gonna say that. I didn't want to be
0: morbid. <laughs> I was gonna say that too. But hey, it, it, it is it is what it is. So That's we right. we've talked about Mevadev a little bit. Shout out to Mevadev again. Um, if I didn't give him proper congrats, even though I feel like this is a, um, a very, um, a story I'm seeing build before or being, I've seen the story built before and I'm seeing mm-hmm. it again with, with Medvedev getting a hard court, whether it be indoor, outdoor, hot, cold,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> under his
0: feet <laughs> and really building momentum for the next hardcore grand slam. And I really would love to see him go deep again and at, Uh, New York because he got to the semifinals in 2020 and of course Mm -hmm. that really really epic final in 2019 against Raphael so his 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 brand of tennis his dynamics his his everything works with the New York crowd and a hard court so he Mm -hmm. is um one to watch going forward Um, I wanted to ask this kind of before but I've actually been in Toronto while the women's tournament was happening, and Mm. I I was I was there. This is this is why I tell you why I was in Toronto. So, perfect. I don't know I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast or not, but I was in Toronto. Twice in 2019, I'm I'm. I think it was twice. I'm not sure if the first time was at the tail end of 2018, but I know I've flown into <laughs> I know I've flown into Toronto twice. I, at, at this point in 2021, time is all been oh. true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I flew to Toronto twice because I was doing some modeling for a company called Kroger, and I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people know about Kroger, but it's like a, a grocery supermarket chain and kind of similar to what the way Target has like a supermarket grocery part and they have like where you can go get like workout gear Okay. <laughs> the okay. Yeah. Kroger, Kroger's trying to step into that market as well. And I did some I did some modeling for them in Toronto. And mm-hmm. I like I kind of like toured the city did some sightseeing, and that was my first time really getting, well, not really, that was my first time being a visitor outside of the country. So I felt like that Mm -hmm. was a a certain milestone that I crossed and to make, Uh. to make, to make a story come full circle and to make it all like cherry on top moment. It could have been a little bit better, but this was, this was okay. It was right smack dab in the middle of the Toronto tournament, the Rogers cup back then Um, the same year Bianca Andreescu won it. Um, And I remember watching, remember watching the semifinals um, in the airport um, and I, I think I actually watched some of the. Uh, I think I watched Buscova versus Halep in the hotel, and then I watched Buscova versus Serena, a large portion of it in the um, in the hotel. And I was like, "Wow, I wonder how the city feels outside of the airport." So to mm-hmm. make it to make it all come full circle, like mm-hmm. if you take away a pandemic year, does the city have a buzz? First, uh, for tennis in Toronto, whether, the, whether it's the men's tournament coming around there you or the women's tournament?
2: Um, we definitely got Bianca fever when, you know, in 2019. You could definitely, everyone was talking about her. She was definitely on top of minds. Um, now, again, I don't have to tell you, tennis, unfortunately, doesn't have the outreach that, say... Um,
0: Basketball. The, I was just going to say, I was just going
2: to refer. Yeah, exactly. So the Raptors won mm-hmm. the. G- remind NBA, me, what are they winning? The
0: championships?
2: Thank you. Thank you. Is thank that what you. they
0: won? <laughs> Yikes. I, I'm, I'm sometimes, I'm so out of the loop on all sports.
2: <laughs> yes. So they won that. And that was like the city was alive for that. Like there was downtown was just a disaster you know but in the best way everyone came together and that was something that of course Toronto has never seen before and I don't know will they see it again who knows but that was that was definitely a landmark that was a, a milestone for the city but in terms of tennis so you're saying or sorry, you're asking if the city comes alive? To a a certain extent, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, you know, it's not a grand slam, you know, not everyone on the street knows that it's happening, but Mm. again, it's definitely, it's known about and it's talked about, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I I think that, for example, Tennis Canada is doing great, right now, because we not only have, say, Milos Raonic, you know, who unfortunately is injured right mm-hmm. now, but he was a big thing. Then, you know, you had Bianca, and right about the same time, but a little bit earlier, is when you had Shapovalov really mm-hmm. blow up, mm-hmm. right?
0: So... The, the Canadian flag has been doing some flying the past couple that's of That's right. Even starting with Bouchard, like... Yes. She, I don't want to say she was the start, or maybe she was the star, depending on how you look mm-hmm. at the timeline. Mm-hmm. The Canadian flag has been growing season by season. And I think it would be nice. I mean, well, I guess because we're in America, it feels like we're searching for the next American, um, grand slam champion, maybe not. Nate mm-hmm. And I say, not necessarily me, but like the tenant, mm-hmm. the, the temperature of tennis feels like we're always looking for that next American champion. Um, I feel like maybe we should be looking for the next North American champion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, some adopt, solidarity. Adopt who we can adopt on the the men's side. Um, speaking <laughs> speaking of adopting, this is a good time to talk about Felix and Dennis, actually, because I said I wanted to get into where they currently are in their tennis. Um, I know this is kind of like going off the path of our conversation, but it's okay. This is mm-hmm. when natural conversation happens. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Where, what are some things for, for like, I guess right now, I'm speaking to the tennis fan that is well aware of Felix, what what do you think those people are having? What do you think their conversations about Felix are looking like right now or sounding like right now? What do you think? We'll start with him. Then we'll we'll go to Chapavala and then we'll go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Well, Felix O'Jaliasim, you know, he lost his first, his first match, right? Mm -hmm. So, Lajovic had beaten him, and I saw, I was there in the stadium for the tail end of that. Which is not a,
0: that's not a good loss, because even though people by some degree would say Felix has had, in some degree, again, a tough mm -hmm. season... Dusan Lajevic from Serbia has had an even tougher season. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. He has not been putting together back-to-back wins on tour so for Felix to come into that match and get a straight saw, straight sets to get a to to get a straight sets loss, loss? yeah to get a straight sets mm-hmm. loss is mm-hmm. not perfect, especially going mm-hmm. into a Grand Slam where he has fourth round points to defend. And I I want to get your opinion on that because i feel like i'm constantly not maybe constantly is a bad word <laughs> i feel like i'm um I'm, I'm occasionally occasionally <laughs> occasionally <laughs> developing in um conversations where i feel like i have to back up f a a felix ageliasem mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. people are in, like slowly starting to be like well maybe he's never going to materialize and i'm just like he just turned 21 Mm-hmm. So I kind of just want to like I don't know I just feel like there's so much um, good there that I feel like I have to defend him. <laughs> no, he, absolutely. He, makes it, he, he doesn't make it hard like with his his being, but like his performances because tennis is so performance based. People mm-hmm. are and and in and, and such a what have you done for me lately kind of sport. If you aren't <laughs> if you aren't if you aren't like consistently bringing shock value to the sport, they kinda of, they kind of forget about you in a little way in a in a in a way. And he isn't getting enough wins to where it's more than just a what if situation. Like or when when is it gonna happen situation and then I'll tune in. You know, it all, like, it started to build momentum at Wimbledon, but mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna build more and this has kind of been a step in the not right direction. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right in the sense that I feel like I've heard him speak before. There's There was some sort of an interview, but again, I'm going to paraphrase, sorry, excuse me, paraphrase, where he said that he needs to learn how to get angry because mm. he he's kind of sort of that nice guy. And we know both on the women's and the men's side, you do need to have sort of, a time when you just you get angry, you know something snaps and or you, you, you want loose. You want the
0: business clear. You want you want your, <laughs> you want your game to be the one that rises to the top. You, you Ex- it has to yeah. be some selfish. I'm here to win this match. Kind of energy, kind of like exactly go back Serena 2007 energy. Exactly.
2: <laughs> those, <laughs> that,
0: those that those that know those that know know
2: <laughs> they know exactly. So I mean, what's Felix? You're right. It, it perhaps hasn't been the best but it's tough when he the fact is is before he turned 21 he's made seven finals
0: eight which is eight, even better Eight right? finals, <laughs> even
2: better i right. mean unfortunately he hasn't materialized any of those into wins but that is just and i mean i'm saying just like it's an easy thing but that is just in quotation marks a mental thing. And mm-hmm. you know, he needs to do some inner work. you know, he needs to find his inner game, he needs <laughs> to do some meditation, you know, and and because I, I'm thinking he's playing such fantastic tennis. Mm-hmm. He's a hard hitter. he's a strong server, but then it's just something about the finals where he just shuts down and and something just doesn't click. But you know, he made it to the round of sixteen at Wimbledon. He actually also
0: that was his first quarterfinals grand slam. Quarterfinals. Yes, thank you, yeah. thank you.
2: Yeah, and then he also made the semifinals at Halle, mm-hmm. and he made the finals oh. at Stuttgart. Yeah, so he's he did, yeah. yeah. So he's had an amazing grass season, right? So mm-hmm. it's interesting because I'd like to see him be an all surface player, right? And mm-hmm. I think that he's he's slowly evolving into that, and again, like you said, he's so young, he has the time
0: i I, I do think time is on his side. I just mm-hmm. think um he has so much potential it's hard to not like want it want it, want it now, and I feel mm-hmm. like everybody like the tennis the tennis pundits and, and the I guess the temperature of his, his camp or what his expectations lie is just very kind of behind the, mm-hmm. the track. Not that people would have expected him to win a Grand Slam yet, but I think people would have at least expected him to win one of those eight finals and, yes. and hold a title, especially when you have somebody like, for example, Center, who's, who's one of three titles on tour and is just turned, or is, is turning 20 in August of this year. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, like... There's room for improvement, but there's also room for improvement, so, and I mean that both ways. Like <laughs> there's room for improvement. Like like yes. Like it's kind of it's it's. Um, I don't want to use the word treacherous, but like it's there's room for error for things to go south in his game. But if you look at it glass half uh, full, which I guess is the more positive way. Mm-hmm. He. He's doing so good and still has room for improvement. So imagine once he finds that like extra corner of improvement that he needs, because that's 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 by and large all it is. You know, it's not like he's missing or it's not like he's he's developing huge holes in his games in mm-hmm. his game that people are exploiting. He's just really kind of not bringing his best game that can compete with the be- the, the best players when it actually matters, when given the opportunity, you know? And he's not putting away the other players that are not where his ceiling is. Once Mm -hmm. he figures out how to, like, fine-tune that, whether that be, like, post-match cool-down, because sometimes people feel like when they focus on that, that gives them better production, or pre-match warm-up or something... In between, maybe people are like really starting to engage with sports psychology. I don't know if that's a thing, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like once he finds whatever it is that allows him to get that small monkey off his back and, and lift a trophy on the ATP tour that he's shown that he's capable of, I feel like it'll start to just slowly chip away what we see as a dominant force on the ATP tour. Hopefully somebody 100%. somebody should send this to him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll we'll at him. We'll at him. Well, what do you what do you think about Shapovalov in the same vein?
0: I feel like his chipping, like how I mentioned Felix, his like slowly chipping away at his best mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like Shapovalov's is a bit. Um, a further along. However, it could be even further along. Um, mm-hmm, I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm seeing growth in Chapavala but I'm also not seeing like a huge step yet. Like the steps are being made, but they're 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 noticeable steps and mm-hmm. um impressive steps, but not leaps. If that makes any sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, especially I especially his in
0: performance it. in Canada. Actually, both of their performances, Felix and Dennis, in in Canada were not great showings, but it's Okay, kind we, of... get,
2: we get we got it, Miles. We got it. I'm <laughs> Canadian, we got it.
0: <laughs> they no, weren't it great, wasn't it wasn't They weren't great, great showings. <laughs> they weren't great showings, but I still took, I guess, to, to put like more brighter tone on it. I'm still like very much so interested in what they do with the rest of this season and their career moving forward because Absolutely. so much good can come from them being the. Players that really are in the top five of tennis, you know, and I, I kind of envision that for them. And I, I, I love mm-hmm. to Um What are some other names that we can throw around that were in the mix in Toronto this season? I wrote down Casper Rude because he made the quarterfinals of a Masters one thousand on a hard court, and he's been kind of um, subliminally in the news. Be, not, not maybe in the news is strong, but he. Went on a tear after Wimbledon. That that clay court season after Wimbledon. That nobody really can put their their minds to why exists. He yes. won. He, he won every single tournament that he participated in, and that was Gustad, Bustad, and Kitzbühel which which like um, somewhere in the Eastern European part of the world. I'm guessing. I'm, I want I'm, I I'm wanna putting that in my be... map in my head.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He was on. A fourteen-match winning streak mm-hmm. before supposed it's it's pretty single-handedly stopped that train. But yeah, you're right. Casper Ruud is definitely one to watch out for. I think actually, I was looking at the live ATP rankings um, in terms of the race mm-hmm. for the final and. You know, Rude and Hercatch, Her <laughs> yeah, and Sinner, those are all guys that are kind of edging Shapovalov out of the mix,
0: mm. right?
2: So that's that's something to watch out for, for sure.
0: Interesting. I think it yeah. will be a very interesting final eight this year, maybe mm-hmm. compared to maybe maybe other years. It'll be interesting because we don't know who is not going to be playing, who will be playing um and speaking of not playing I don't think we've we've made mention of the fact that Rafa Nadal the current number four ranked player and obviously you know who Nadal is if you if you watch tennis but he (laughs) pulled out of the tournament citing the same foot pain that he was discussing um at the city open the week prior um and if you know anything about Nadal like at the very beginning of his career, he had foot issues and he had to um, find a prosthetic that was able to work with his foot issues and allow him to perform and go mm-hmm. inside of his shoe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's not unfamiliar with the, the injury or the, the that area, but it is concerning because he added Washington, D.C. to the tournament or to, to his schedule of tournaments and he did that intentionally to try to get reps because he wanted to do well at the US Open. The injury to that foot unfortunately kind of flares up. And then now he pulls out of Montreal and he pulled out of Cincinnati as well. So that foot is darn it, that foot.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it just, it, I, he, like, if you watch his matches in Washington, um, glimpses. Of a Nadal that is a twenty-time Grand Slam champion were there because th- that's what he is. They're always there, but he did not look comfortable. It is understandable with the foot injury, but it puts things in doubt for his chances at the U.S. Open if he's not playing any warmer tournaments between then and now, and he's pulled out of the two um, that, he, or t- he's pulled out of the two to three that he was going to to face so or to play so mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it just you know question marks and hold your breath mentality kind of surrounds him at the current moment you know
2: mm-hmm. yeah I think I think the U.S. Open is a big question mark um, whether he needs more time because you know if we were talking about Nadal being 21 years old that's a different story right Mm -hmm. but considering that again the big three are really trying to preserve themselves and
0: is it still a big three
2: i think they're they're a pretty big three i mean would you downsize would you
0: downsize i it start maybe the downsize isn't solidified but it's it's trending to getting there um, especially with the news today of yes. Roger Federer pulling out of the rest of the season because he needs another knee surgery. Breaking mm-hmm. news, breaking <laughs> news, I know that. You're listening to this breaking news. Roger Federer will not be playing any tournaments the rest of the year. <laughs> well, it's not funny, but that was my newscaster breaking news voice. Um, <laughs> Nadal in the foot injury, and then basically Djokovic taking time off to kind of just reset before he attempts to do something that none of them have been able to do and then no one's been able to do in years and years and years. Um, it's, people are starting to use that phrase, Novak Djokovic versus the field, and it kind of mm-hmm. does feel, it, it feels that way. Field and feels. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I I understand what you're saying. I think at this point, everyone is just forever going to memorialize the big three Mm -hmm. as as the nickname because it doesn't seem like there's going to be a dominant force for a while. Like, if we take out Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, I can't see, you know, I think Medvedev is going to be a strong force. I think, you know, Zverev... I think, you know, loves like I think we're going to mm-hmm. have those players and I'm not worried whatsoever about, oh, tennis is going to be boring now. There's no one to watch. I don't think that at all. I don't think, and... yeah, I don't
0: think there's too much merit in that. Not too much.
2: No, no. no. I mean, people that complain about that, I think.
0: It's, I can, <laughs> I can see the perspective. Like, don't, like, wow, everybody has a lot to not live up to or stand up. Well, I guess yeah. A lot people have a lot to stand up to in regards to following up Roger Federer, rafa Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. Just by the sheer numbers of it, it's going to be intimidating. But mm-hmm. I mean, they were able to surpass Pete Sampras rather quickly, and nobody saw that coming. So who's to say that there's not some mm-hmm, generation? Mm-hmm. There's not some generation coming up that we don't even know yet that's going to completely blow that out of the water. Because sport typically, you know, it, I, I think in tennis, it's proven itself to get a little bit better and grow a little bit better with more time that passes as far as the progression of it. At least that's the trend, even though tennis very much so tries to hold on stauntly to tradition. Um mm-hmm just you can look at the way points are constructed in just that manner go from like the 70s and 80s to now to now and you definitely will see a different brand of tennis. So in that regard we're growing and things mm-hmm. are modernizing, you know.
2: Mhm. No, of course. Well, Miles, I nominate you as one of the as one of the new front runners. You're telling me you're, you know, you're practicing your tennis. I nominate <laughs> you
0: <laughs> to be a front runner? <laughs>
2: Yes, absolutely. You said it's gonna be someone we don't know about. So you know what? <laughs> Twenty grand slams, here you come. Me...
0: <laughs> if only, if only I'd a racket. <laughs> if only I got a racket in my hand at the age <laughs> of three or four and not thirteen or fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of like three or age three or age four, I think it's interesting that the women get like these narratives oftentimes of how long they've been playing tennis or like she picked up the sport at the tender age of five or like, Mm -hmm. you know how they like shift the narrative Mm -hmm. and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. I I think that is so interesting now when I look at the champion of Montreal on the women's side, Camilla Georgie, because every time time I watch her, before this week, I just think of her name and think of like somebody that looks... um, like, they almost defy age. <laughs> like, she she, she looks so tiny and, like, petite and, like, almost... She's unassuming in the way that she goes about... If you've never seen her play, I guess I'm trying my best to describe how you could expect her in your mind. She's just, like, the slightest blonde thing and just completely... <laughs> <laughs> completely rips the cover off the ball with little to no yes. worthless abandon. And for the first time in her career at a huge event that has actually lined up for her to win the title. And she beat some pretty great names along the way. I have to pull it up right now, but one of those names is Coco Golf, which was the most surprising one to me just on paper.
2: I'm yes. Yeah. Well, her first her first round she had defeated Mertens. Which is who, a upset. Yes, which again, we know that Mertens has been sort of focusing on her doubles career again, whether it mm. was with Sabalenka, but then Sabalenka decided to take her singles career further. And we'll talk about her a little bit later. But <laughs> um but you're right. Georgie did I mean she you're right, she is like five foot five, and you're right, she weighs, you know, I don't want to get into the body image of, of women, <laughs> but I'm saying you're right though. She she's very unassuming, but then mm-hmm. you're watching her and she's going up against, you know, Plishkova, who is six one, six two. Mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and I mean she's holding her ground and she does she was not blinking in that final. Like she was not overwhelmed it was it was such a sight to see
0: i think she has a it it, she has a poker face at the same time because Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. does get up she does get upset and there are moments when it kind of bubbles bubbles over but Mm -hmm. by and large when you're looking at her face you can't tell what's going on you know um she just looks like she's out there to do her job and that is Mm -hmm. that's that's respectable you know Guess because we're so close to the finals ending, I feel like I'm still processing it. Do you feel that way?
2: <laughs> yes. Camilla yeah.
0: Camilla Georgie wins the
2: Canadian Open. Canadian Open.
0: The <laughs> yes. National Bank Open presented there we go. by Rogers Cup. <laughs> See? It has to. It, it, it didn't even fall off the tongue that well. Yikes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I mean, she was impressive, definitely. She is now up to, I believe her ranking is number 34. So she jumped from, like, ranked 71, I believe. Mm. So she she just rose through that chart, pushed
0: everyone out of the way, you know? (laughs) Hmm. I wonder what her career high is, because she has had success at a Grand Slam before, reaching the quarterfinals. Of Wimbledon in 2018, losing to Serena. Yeah, interesting. Oh, okay, okay. She's a former top 30 player. Her career mm-hmm. high is 26 in 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe maybe one of those players that I always felt like if they actually got it together would really be a force, but never really saw a pathway to them actually getting it together because she's played mm-hmm. Serena. She's played Serena cover. Cuff- Tough, a couple different times. I think they've played at the Australian Open and once before pre-Australian Open in Auckland. And she, most people can't actually hang with Serena for a long time in in terms of just like toe to toe power. But Georgie can mm-hmm. do it in brief stints, and when she does do it, it's kind of like breathtaking in a way because you didn't expect that from her, and when you keep mm-hmm. when you keep expecting. How do I how do I put this? When you have such a sneaky development of power, it kind of almost frustrates you your opponent even more because it's like, where is this coming from? The ball isn't looking like I'm. It doesn't it doesn't feel or look like I'm getting blasted around this court, but I am. <laughs> I can only mm-hmm. imagine what it feels no, like absolutely. to play her. When, like to play her this week, I, I can only imagine because she was just super in a zone, which is kind of something that she was known for but it never resulting in something as i guess um i don't want i don't want to be dramatic and say life changing but this is kind of life changing for her especially from a tennis achievement standpoint i wonder if she ever thought she was going to be a masters 1000 champion and here she is She's exactly she, she has the biggest payout, probably of her career. And outside of the quarterfinal at the, at the Wimbledon Championships in 2018, her this is her shining moment. So, congrats to Camilla Georgie. And then the finalist you got a spare word for Karolina Pliskova because mm-hmm. she's turned her season around. Because I was definitely on the Pliskova might retire early train. Um, earlier in the season <laughs> is because the losses she was taking were very... Um, they weren't necessarily tight. Um, she was losing to players definitely ranked far below her. And it just didn't look... It, it didn't look bright, but then something clicked at Wimbledon, and now we have a Pliskova that looks like she is a player that has formerly been in Grand Slam finals, semifinals, quarterfinals, and has been, people forget sometimes, world number one. So it's good to see her back in the mix, but also if this was going to be like the Pliskova 2.0 new and improved, she probably would have won this match to kind of seal that narrative uh, going forward into the U.S. Open, that she was a better player. But she kind of... For, for the for a player that has so many titles as she has, some big ones as well, mm-hmm. sometimes in the yes. biggest moments, she kind of shrinks. Her game just all of a sudden, as effective as it was to get from round one to the final, in the final, it it, it becomes not as effective. You think it's nerves that has, a, that has a part in that?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, she... Also, if you if you listen to her, she also is someone that's very self-aware. And mm-hmm. so when she won the semi final match in her post-match interview, she said, I know I haven't been having the most luck in in finals this year. And she says, but we'll see how tomorrow goes. And she kind of, you know, she laughs it off. She has that sort of um, that European kind of. Witch. humor about her yeah exactly um but to be completely honest I mean she right now she's ranked number four yes she was she was going into this tournament she was ranked number six she's currently ranked number four so she's jumped up two spots with she's this trending. run she's
0: trending upwards it,
2: There we go. And she's also, I mean, she's the oldest one in the top 10, which is crazy to think about. It just kind of shows you how varied the top 10 is right now.
0: And when you can kind of hit your stride and hit your peak, it happens sometimes when you think you've expected it or sometimes it doesn't, you know?
2: Exactly. And I mean, personally, I think she's had a great summer. She was a finalist at Rome, where mm-hmm. Tech won. And I mean, We're the score line it. was a little... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> scoreline was a scoreline. Thank line. you. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, she does, look, she does that,
0: look cute with her runner-up trophy. She looks very happy.
2: She looks happy, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm looking so, over
0: and looking at the trophy presentation now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but but listen, so she was a finalist on clay. She was a finalist at Wimbledon, which, of course, is grass. Mm -hmm. And now she's a finalist here in Montreal, which is a hard court. So listen, she's had three finals on three different surfaces. That to me is very impressive. So personally, I would keep an eye on her for even if not just Cincinnati, also the U.S. Open. You know, she's she's definitely someone
0: to watch out for. For sure. And she's comfortable on Cincinnati courts and U.S. Open courts reaching the final in the U.S. Open in 2016 and winning Cincinnati in 2016 on her way to that Grand Slam final. So she's a player that, you know, I think I heard Andy Roddick mention this the other day on Tennis Channel Live, how like we are so quick to give players that are um court specific their court specific praise when describing Mm -hmm. them if their court specifics Mm -hmm. are on clay or on grass but on hardcore we never say "ooh, a great hardcore player and although although pliskova can and does have a game that is um how do i say this her game is adaptable to all different surfaces because of the strengths she has in her games and her weapons however mm-hmm. i think her they're they're at their strongest and she's at her most um dangerous on a hardcore and i think her results would would indicate that as well too but those results don't get you the moniker of amazing hardcore player they just say mm-hmm. yeah great player
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. no, you're right. point out of it as if the, the surface doesn't matter for hardcore when it, it is, like, for, we were talking about Casper Rude on the men's side. Like, mm-hmm. th- he's a great player, but he isn't necessarily thriving, or his results aren't thriving on hard court. When you have somebody mm-hmm. like a that's kind of doing the opposite, but Casper Rude has this buzz around him for being such a great clay court player, whereas Plystable mm-hmm. would just be, like, considered... Kinda in the mix you know if that makes any sense mm-hmm.
2: yeah no it does i i was actually talking about this with my friend the other day and i think the reason is that clay and grass are so specialized mm-hmm. right like i'm assuming when you go to practice tennis you're practicing on a hard court mm-hmm. right or cement you, or
0: something <laughs>
2: well pretty hard right <laughs> so i mean same with me right like everyone essentially starts out on hard. So I think that that's why hard court is such an equalizer, right? You Then when you get into, say, clay, you say, okay, you know, the Spaniards are good on clay because they have access to those courts more than, say, the Americans do. Or grass court is a little bit more of, like, say, an older generation thing. So we saw um, Angelique Kerber had an amazing grass court season this year, Mm -hmm. you know, because she's been around... It for a while now, whereas the younger players, you know, Andreescu wouldn't know what to do on a grass court, and that's, yeah, that's they're nothing... Not,
0: they're not comfortable yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. And maybe they'll never be comfortable, right? Like, it, it's so niche.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, but you're right, though. When we do describe hard court, we just say, oh, they're they're a great player, right? Regardless mm-hmm. of saying, oh, on hard court. <laughs> which would, um, I which wanted would, to get your opinion, though, whether there were any early exits that you were surprised about
0: on you the were, women's side. You were mentioning like Spaniards and clay and like just <laughs> certain, <laughs> certain nationalities. And I was thinking there's a Spaniard who I thought <sighs> was, am I, am I do, you, do, you know, do you know where I'm going?
2: Of course I do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like there's a Spaniard that, was playing well at the beginning of the season. Her name is Garvinia Muguruza. And I'm just a little concerned. I'm concerned that, like, the, the wins aren't sticking together like they were at the beginning of the season. I thought this was going to be, like, a season that mm-hmm. solidified her. There's still room for that, I think. But I thought it was going to be a season mm-hmm. that, like, really saw her get back into Grand Slam finals. And we haven't quite seen that. Um and there's not a trajectory or a trend that shows her moving forward. So that's concerning. As is um, Madison Keys, who had another early round exit and she is not really trending mm-hmm. forward or um, I was going to say or downward. Because, you know, I don't want to be harsh on players and say they're trending <laughs> downward. But like... That'll I'll leave I'll leave that where it is. <laughs> so yeah, to, to yeah. flip to flip the switch and talk about players that actually had a very significant splash, or like like players that I'm actually kind of excited for moving forward after, on this tournament, I would definitely say Anj Jabor and Jessica Bagula because they played That's some right. of the best matches of the women's uh, tournament. Just those two alone, like all the matches that they were they were involved in, were pretty entertaining to watch.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Jaber, I I absolutely love, I love how unorthodox she is. Um, I've heard her speak in an interview, I believe with Racket magazine, and she had mentioned that there was a period in her career where she was kind of trying on coaches, right? Like, Mm -hmm. do I vibe with this person? Do they understand me? Can they push me and whatnot? And she said, not by name, but she said she had a coach who was basically trying to push her to be and push her to play like Maria Sharapova. And, (laughs) and she kind of laughed and she was like, I don't look like, her i don't play like her you know there's nothing about me that that is that resembles her whatsoever so what makes you think i'm going to be able to play and and strategize like that exactly um but i mean shabur is fantastic she's at a career high right now at um number 20, and she's the first Arab woman to do that. So she just keeps breaking through the glass ceiling. You know, the tennis world keeps on breaking, or they keep on, sorry, building a ceiling mm-hmm. for her, and she keeps on breaking through it. You know, she, she had her great run at Wimbledon where she made the quarterfinals. Um, she won her maiden title in Birmingham, and that was in June where she beat uh, Kasatkina, so I mean, she she's doing very well. I'm very excited to see what the rest of the year is going to look like. Her or for her, she I was looking actually at her. She's
0: had some of the best wins or most wins on tour this season, actually, which I think is like for a player yes. for a player that that the conversation used to be about her endurance or her longevity or her fitness to be mm-hmm. on tour, to be on tour on the court. For her to be in the conversation of most match wins this season kind of debunks those theories a little bit that that she's not in shape enough to compete because clearly if she's winning the most, she's in in shape enough to compete, at least in my opinion.
2: No, 100%. 100%. And you also did mention Mm Kagula, who she definitely needs a shout out because that girl was playing... Insane tennis this week. Every single one of her matches this week in Montreal was a three-setter. So she's that type to just come back. She doesn't, you know, she and just got. Ab-
0: she absorbs opponent's pace so well. Like yeah. I don't, I, I the, You know, people get people get moniker like the Martina Hingis thing. Really, mm-hmm. that's a that's an easy thing to go th- go to with a player. But for some reason, when I watch Pagula. It's actually kind of the vibe I get, but a more modernized, like, powerful version. Her her ability to, like, change direction and anticipate comes with more of a, a packed punch. But it's definitely Hingis mm-hmm. ish
2: when, yes. when I was
0: watching her match against Collins, I was just like, she can't really out-hit Collins that often, but she can out-maneuver her. And to see her do that was yes. just really interesting, you know?
2: Yeah, no, you're right. And actually something interesting that I noticed today when I was looking into Jessica Pagula, mm-hmm. all of her top 10 wins came this year in 2021. So she has beaten Pliskova four times. That's four times. I feel like that's <laughs> that's a record. That's uh,
0: definitely a, a marker in your season, beating the same player four times for sure.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and a top 10 top 10 player at that right. but she she also no well Pugula also has wins over Osaka and Svitolina so I mean it's it's crazy because she has been around for a while um, she's had I believe two injuries that sort of stalked her and she had to go through rehab and do all of that but she she's wonderful she has an amazing attitude anytime I hear her speak she's very understanding of her opponents and she's very gracious actually when she beat Anjabur, um she shouted out the tunisian fans that were in montreal and she said you know what she said you guys are amazing you guys obviously didn't come here to see me win um but she said thank you so much for supporting ons and and it's it's amazing what she's doing and i was like you know what that's incredible the fact that she's really she understands you know, the support and what her opponent is doing, you know, across the net, I think that that really, that says a lot. And there's not a lot of players that actively do that. So that was really nice to see.
0: Yeah, super, super credit to Jessica Pagula, because the more I get to know things about her, the more kind of in tune it feels like I become with her her journey to like this level of tennis. And I think it's a really interesting one. So shout out to her. I kind of was hoping that she would get into the final and she Mm -hmm. would be holding the trophy, but it's okay. You know, she lives to fight. (laughs) She lives to fight another day and she probably should take a break. She probably shouldn't go straight to Cincinnati and play tennis um, because she's played a lot of tennis, I believe. Yeah. She's played a lot of tennis this year. She's also kind of up there as far as, players with the most match wins as well. Maybe not the top five. Mm -hmm. She's up there. And I'm expecting her to be somebody who I know if I was at the US Open, I wouldn't necessarily be ecstatic if I saw Jessica Bagula's name (laughs) in in the draw. So like I would I would rest up and try to take advantage of like being that kind of player, you know, that can really break a draw open and make some noise for yourself, Jessica Bagula, if you're listening. Some other players that kind of had um, like I like to call splashes or I guess in this person's um, in this person's case, I'm speaking of Victoria Azarenka kind of returned to memory moments. Not that I ever forgot about Victoria Azarenka, but it's always like a, you know, how certain players love the opening of a fresh can of tennis balls. And it's like that certain sound <laughs> that, that signifies yes. fresh. And like, ah, mm-hmm. something new. something It's it's something about the way Azarenka's career has been um, just kind of maneuvering itself over the past couple seasons. Every time she gets in on like a good form or in a good run, I'm reminded of just how nice it was to have her at the top of women's tennis at this point. Wow, almost 10 years ago, you know? She was Mm-hmm, at the top of the mm-hmm. game in 2012, and seeing her again, we were talking about players that don't get credit for being a good hardcore player. Azarenka is a darn good hardcore player, and she's been to the semifinals of the tournament in Canada Canada multiple times, the quarterfinals this go around, and just the finals of of last year's 2020 U.S. Open. So. Mm -hmm. Another player that I wouldn't necessarily want to see in my draw coming at the U.S. Open soon.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. It was, um, I mean, it was a little bit shocking that she did lose to Sabalenka in straight sets. Um, But I think there's something about Sabalenka's game. And when it's on, it's really on. And the aggressiveness is is really tough to counterpunch. It's like a
0: juggernaut almost. And I don't know. Yes. If that, I, hope, I hope. I don't think that's offensive. I don't think. No, I don't think no, it's offensive. I don't. <laughs> but when I when I think about her game, <laughs> I think about something that can't be stopped unless they stop it. <laughs> like she just has that kind of style of game. Yes, where it's, it's mostly in her arm. Almost, almost more like Thor with his hammer. Like if she swings it and she's the one on <laughs> the shot, then she's in charge of what's going on out there. You know. <laughs> And no, I 100%. I. She, she got to the semifinals in this tournament?
2: Yes, yeah. yes. she
0: lost the push, but the eventual finals. Yes yes, 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 yes.
2: Exactly. Yeah, no, Sabalenka, I think most of the games that I've seen with her or most of the matches, if not all of them, are always on her racket. Mm-hmm. So it's either is she having a good day where she's just going to blast the opponent off the court or she, you know, something is a little bit off. And I mean, I experienced that as a completely amateur level player, right? Like there's some days where, you know, your, your serve just isn't going in. And it's like nothing you can do to change that. Mm. So sometimes I feel like Sabalenka, she might, I don't know. I mean, I, I, she doesn't really,
0: uh, it's the, it's like the, the classic almost plan B plan mm-hmm. C scenario with some mm-hmm. tennis players and like the their lack of a really cohesive plan B and plan C that yes uh, that doesn't really allow them to perform when plan A is not going well mm-hmm. you
1: mm-hmm. know like no, they just exactly. don't have it,
0: they don't have it flushed out about what to do when their type of style of game isn't the one that's really dictating um, the points. And it's like, oh, m- you know, abort mission, abort mission, or they try their best, and it just kind of starts crumbling. And that's kind of what I think of when I think of Azarenka. Um, not Azarenka, sorry, Sabalenka. Um, yes. But I do think she, again, when all the missions in her mind are set on one thing, and she's playing lights out tennis, it's like a juggernaut, and there's very few people that can stop that if she's in the right kind of frame of mind and... Level in her game, you know,
2: a hundred percent. So she's yeah. another
0: one to look out for at the U.S. Open. I, I think, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if any of the finalists or semifinalists of this tournament go deep at the U.S. Open. Just because mm-hmm. I was watching, I was watching some throwbacks of it was two thousand nine Toronto. Um, I believe it was. A matchup against Andy Murray and Juan Martín Del Potro in the final. Mm. Martín Del Potro got to the final and ended up winning the U.S. Open. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe maybe good wins in Toronto are an omen. <laughs> if Medvedev is 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 hoping, maybe, well, maybe Opelka should be hoping that's a good omen for himself getting to the final.
2: exactly, and exactly. Wouldn't
0: that wouldn't that be something if Opelka oh, is man, the person no. that that breaks the we haven't had an American male tennis champion in 65 years thing.
2: Yeah. He's like, <laughs> well, here I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be, I mean, I would, I would, I would have no choice, but to, you know, congratulate him. Cause that's a feat in and of itself. And he, although he might not have been like the one, everybody was hailing to do it. It would be, it would be interesting. And I feel like his responses would be, kind of funny
2: <laughs> yeah oh for sure
0: i can see how he's not everybody's cup of tea but i can also see how people would also love him at the same time you know
2: Mm-hmm.
0: oh yeah so we've we've talked a good bit about toronto and canada before we wrap up i just wanted to get your kind of vibe on some of the players that are going to be playing in cincinnati that did not play in um toronto we already know, or if you don't know, the big three, Roger, Rafa, Novak, are not playing in Cincinnati. But I do believe we're going to have Medvedev, um, we're going to have Zverev, and mm-hmm. the other the other ATP Avengers that are trying to, <laughs> knock, to knock down um, Thanos, that is Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the two names on the women's side that I'm kind of interested to see where their level is, is world number one. Ashley Barty, who just won Wimbledon. And then um, I believe Osaka is a, is still world number two in the world. And yes. she's, she, she won the Australian Open this year. And she's also the defending champion at the 2020 U.S. Open and the 2020 um, Cincinnati Masters. So i yes. interested to see where she kind of finds her group. She's just made a pledge to donate her money to... Um, earthquake relief efforts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool, and I think she likes playing for a mission other than just herself. It kind of, uh, in a way, because she's if you've watched the documentary and I've talked about in prior episodes, because she's such like an introverted person, I think sometimes her being on the pedestal like causes super anxiety whereas if she replaces it with a mission or something or someone else to fight for she becomes a more focused on the task type person and we'll we'll see if that happens again in um Cincinnati U.S. Open I'm not like saying she's gonna be a champion again but you know you never (laughs) know (laughs) you never know
2: (laughs) yeah no. Cincinnati is is interesting because on the women's side you have pretty much everyone in the top 20 playing Mm -hmm. except for Kennen and then
0: Mm, mm. I don't yeah. know. Kenan, I don't know if Kenan deserves an episode all to herself, but something, <laughs> something is something's up. Something's brewing. Camp. Yeah, yeah. Something's, something's going on. I'm not quite sure. I'm liking it or sure of what the hell is actually going on, but something's going on.
2: <laughs> yeah, something's happening. And then, I mean, you did mention how we won't have the big three on the men's side, but mm-hmm. also Serena and Venus are missing on the women's side, and yep. apparently, this is between. Toronto and Montreal and Cincinnati not having any of those big names. It's the first time in 20 years that we won't have any of them playing. So that's pretty wow. crazy because that's an entire generation that's always known these big names. For big um, na-
0: being big names and being a big tournament, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'm really looking out to, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of great first round matches, um, I mean, Barty could face Azarenka in the Ooh. third. Well, that's in the third round. But again, Azarenka is the defending champion, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, Sloane Stevens got a wild card. So Always be a dangerous floater. Yeah, so she could face Muguruza in the second round. Um, I think one of the best first round matches is Zachary versus Kerber. That that's, should that's be very
0: interesting. Yeah.
2: <laughs> could, yeah. Be,
0: could be spicy.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is for sure. And then I know this one kind of made the rounds on social media as being almost like a troll on Cincinnati's end. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have the Olympic gold medal match as a first round. so Between they have whom? Ben, Benchich and Von Drusova. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, I mean, again, then you have potentially, I think, Goff and Osaka could face off in the second round um, because Osaka does get the first round bye, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, very, very interesting. Lots of great matchups, especially in first rounds on the women's side. The men's side, things really start to heat up, I think, in the second round mostly. But, yeah, I mean, do you think that whoever goes far here is also gonna go far in the US Open.
0: I think whoever has done well in Montreal and in um, Cincinnati are going to do well Mm -hmm. on, well, potentially, you you just-
2: Yes, yeah.
0: With the, (laughs) (laughs) I know I call the ATP like the Avengers going to like take down Thanos and Djokovic, but-
2: Yeah.
0: The WTA is like the Avenger tryouts
1: Mm -hmm. Like there's so many, there's
0: so many, there's an array of different talents and, um, weapons and storylines. It's just that we don't know who to really call on when the stakes are down. There's not like a set team yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas at least with the men's, there seems to be a superhero team forming or at least players you can put in there for like kind of solid mention not so much on the, on the WTA side. So we could, I mean, this season has shown it in certain regards, but I mean, <laughs> uh, the the players typically do like this time of the year. There are players that are getting, that are getting warmer as far as their, their trending, like Victoria Azarenka, we mentioned, um, we mentioned Sabalenka. She's going to be in this tournament again. So, I mean, also, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Swiatek kind of plays because I don't think she, yeah, the US Open was played before she was a Grand Slam champion. Ah, mm-hmm. I just had a flashback moment. Swiatek lost to Azarenka at the 2020 US Open before she went on to win the 2020. Okay, Open. yes. That was yes, a good, good point. That was a good match. Um, so I think both of them, I mean, I mean, maybe I just thought of a, a potential final. Look at that.
2: <laughs> I mean, Shviantek might get Jabur in the second round, so I mm. mean, there's a potential final ousted for you. I apologize. I, darn it! <laughs> I will. But you never know. Listen, you never know. Jabur's had a had a busy. She's had a busy summer, so maybe. Uh, I mean, like you said, the women's side is so volatile. But in the best way, like I, I don't.
0: It's it's interesting to watch. Like I, I'm not one of those people that are like the, the. Everybody's seen a Twitter troll, so like mm-hmm. the, the 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 easy Twitter troll thing to do is to just call the WTA, excuse my French, a shit show or a circus yeah. or there's yeah. nobody leading the crowd. But if you actually watch and pay attention that factoid is actually what makes it interesting to watch, to see mm-hmm. who kind of comes through the raging fire week to week to week. At least that's how I would market it. The WTA could do some better marketing <laughs> um, of the packaging that they have. But like, yes. we just, I just sat here and called them like the uh, Avengers ready to assemble team. That yeah. Something along the lines that plays that up kind of like ATP media has um uh, They have a a come see behind the scenes, a.k.a. get to know the player better. Yes. Like they have so many of those little media packages and the WTA doesn't at all.
2: There (laughs) is, there is on that same note, there is something that is coming out that is, I don't know. It's supposed to unite the tours. Yeah, Racket mm-hmm. magazine, magazine is working on, yeah, the WTA and the ATP finally having interviews together and having fun together, which, mm-hmm. again, seems like it's a no-brainer. But I guess it's a big step because they are two different organizations. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I'm very interested in and very excited
0: about. Well, I mean... I think ATP tennis or, like, yeah, ATP media definitely has a blueprint for making players, weaving them into the fabric of our lives as it stands in a digital world in 2021. ATP media is doing that at a much better rate than WTA. So maybe maybe we're all going to be playing under the ATP um, name, just Association of Tennis Professionals, and there won't be a gender associated to it and everybody's going to be playing? Maybe? I don't I know. Mean,
2: <laughs> I mean, we could hope. I mean, gender equality, but <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, right. There's there's a lot of, obviously, negotiations and union talks and everything that has to happen, but mm-hmm. we'll see.
0: It's going to be an interesting, hardcore season for sure. And I'm glad that you were able to, like, actually come onto the show and give us, like I like to call it, a pulse of how the matches were in Toronto. Um, And before we wrap up, I just wanted to let you, let the listeners know where they can actually find you on Twitter, because you also have a Twitter account that in my opinion, lead you to wanting to watch more tennis when you see the numbers, if you're a numbers kind of person. So I'll let you have the floor on that one for sure.
2: <laughs> of course. No, thank you. Um, well, you guys can find me and follow me at The Tennis Stats. And I mean, honestly, anytime I ask all of my followers, I say, listen, if there's anything that you're interested in just let me know, I'll do my best to kind of dig through the the, the data. And because sometimes it's a little intimidating to do that. There's a lot of raw data out there and people chart matches and, and it's crazy the amount of work that people put into it. But again, it's a little intimidating for someone that just wants to see an easy to digest, little piece of you know a little nugget of information again anytime you guys are are wondering actually miles and i were speaking yesterday about how funny it would be for me to find out everyone's horoscopes and you know <laughs> yeah, and right, do, right. yeah and do like a, a little bar graph to see you know how many leos are there in the top 50 how many you know gemini's or, or cancers and whatnot so that that could be a little project that i work on maybe hmm. before the u.s open we'll we can see work, and, we
0: can work together on getting the data because i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind partaking in their research project
2: yeah no we'll <laughs> see that could be fun that would be you know, super just fun for sure for sure
0: as was as was this this was super fun like a hundred percent i am so glad that we collaborated and i'm glad that we have like Our tennis Twitter spheres have come to merge, and hopefully, (laughs) this isn't the last time that you are a guest on the podcast. Because once a guest on the podcast, always a guest on the podcast. And in my mind, you know, I like have talked talk to so say like friend to the show, or maybe Mm that. Maybe that's what Wendy Williams does. And that's what I, I think. But I feel like once you come <laughs> on to the doing? show. How you doing? <laughs> I feel like once you come on to the show, you are officially a friend of the show. So you're always welcome back. And I appreciate the tennis stats on Twitter, for sure.
2: Well, I am grateful for you, Miles, and for all the work that you do. You put in so much work and effort into these podcasts, into you know your Twitter feed and and everything. So... Absolutely, I'm grateful that our paths um, they crossed, and I think that everything is meant for a reason. And for sure, I'm I'm looking forward to our future collaboration. So thank for you. For sure, again.
0: because next next year they're going to be switching, and the men are going to be in montreal the women are going to be in toronto hopefully I'm, right. hopefully i'm in one of those cities while the tournament is happening um absolutely absolutely and we can, and, 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 we can lo- and we can go to one of the matches look at that
2: there we go and you'll learn the toronto slang
0: <laughs> and, I, and i'll eat some eat some poutine
2: mm, well in montreal toronto is Ron, nah. toronto doesn't really have nah. Uh, nah. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay i have been maybe we should save that for montreal
2: <laughs> yeah we'll do that then <laughs> Well, thanks. Thank you again,
0: Miles. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was really, really awesome. I'm back, guys. Wasn't that a good conversation between Pauline and I? I thank her again for coming on to the show, and I really want her to come back so we can get all of the conversation going and continuing about tennis north of the border. Because for whatever reason, can i was gonna say canadia <laughs> canada has always interests me and like i was saying in the uh, conversation i've only been to toronto twice i would love to bump that number up a couple times and just enjoy the culture and possibly enjoy some tennis while i'm there as well so to wrap things up, if you enjoyed what you heard in today's episode, please do check us out on all social networks at missing point pod. We're on clubhouse and we just cracked over 380 members in the hashtag tuned into tennis, which is my clubhouse that I moderate and schedule rooms on Clubhouse so we can talk about tennis live as it's happening. We just cracked over 380 members, which is awesome. Also check us out on Instagram and Twitter at missing point pod. Uh, subscribe to the podcast as well so you get notified of new episodes review the show not to sound like a beggar here but the more you review the show whether on google or apple the bigger the show gets the more people actually see the show and the higher the show climbs so that would be great also there's more information in the podcast if you'd like to support the podcast there's a link that says buy me a coffee so you can support my frappuccino habit that is mildly under control. <laughs> and don't forget to send us your questions. Send us your questions. Send us your questions to missingpointpod at gmail.com. And when I say send us your questions, guys, I really mean that. I really want my email to be flooded with questions about me, my friends. Well not so much about my friends, about about me <laughs> and questions about just things that you've always are maybe wondered that I haven't answered on the show. I would love to answer them in the getting to know me Q&A portion of the show that I'm going to produce and then also On the tennis-related side, ask me your tennis questions. Some burning tennis questions you've always thought about and maybe you haven't heard answered in a podcast format before. I am going to do my best to answer all of them in this Q&A episode that I am looking forward to. And to look forward to it even more, I need you guys' questions. So if you're listening to this, go over to your email. I'm sure it's only a couple of clicks away. And shoot me a question. It'll be on the podcast the Q and a podcast, and I will definitely let you know that I've received it and it will be answered on the show. So that is it for today's episode, guys, make sure you are taking good care of yourselves, wearing your mask. Things are looking interesting outside in these streets. And I want all of my listeners to be as careful and as safe uh, as they can. So until next time, guys, take care, have a great week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.